Isaiah 2, the word that Isaiah the son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains, and shall be lifted up above the hills, and all the nations shall flow to it. And many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations, and shall decide disputes for many peoples. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. That's Isaiah 2. Welcome to the Post Mill Podcast, Engaging the Culture with God's Justice with Scott and Pete. And uh, today we have a interview with Dr. Jason Garwood. Dr. Jason Garwood is uh, somebody that we've gotten to know over the last few months, maybe year or so, who is a pastor down in Warrington, Virginia. And he is the author of a number of books. Um, Health for All of Life is one of them and uh, The Politics of Humanism. Uh, now it's Christmas time right now. Here's another book called The um, Have Yourself an Eschatological Christmas, which mm. is a fantastic short book. Um, so we're gonna be interviewing him today when it comes to the question of um, Christian love and how do we uh, determine what Christian love is, Yeah. right? So uh, there's the world's view of love and there's the Bible's view of love and we're kind of uh, a lot of the time as Christians, we're kind of stuck in the middle. We don't know which one to believe, right? Right. Um, social media and conversations that we've had recently have really kind of shown us what uh, what Christian Church believes. Yes, and, and it's in relation to mask wearing, yeah, vaccination, and so forth. And then getting into some Christian culture stuff and and where we derive God's law. So we're gonna have a conversation with Dr. Jason Garwood. So enjoy that video and uh we'll see you afterwards jason good to see you welcome here welcome to the post mill podcast how are you i'm doing well thanks for having me again it's uh, always a pleasure joining you guys yeah it's it's been really good recently just being able to uh, follow your ministry follow you know what you're doing down there in and warrington um with cross and crown church and uh i've been really um enjoying your books personally um been uh doing some narrating on your books as well which has been uh been fun you you've been uh able to let me you know be the person to like narrate your books but you know th these are the first books that i've narrated so you're getting kind of the bottom of the barrel stuff ah uh, you're doing fantastic i'm thankful yeah. that you're doing it oh thanks i'm no nathan conkey um, <laughs> we can only we can only aspire to be uh, the meme master himself, Nathan Conkey. So, well, you, you guys have such tremendous accents that it brings the books alive to a, yeah. in a new way. Well, Nathan's is a little bit better than mine. <laughs> it's kind of a. This is thicker. You, yeah, it's uh, it's <laughs> a much nicer uh, Northern Irish accent. So, we wanted to have you on the podcast today to discuss something that we have been. What well, we were asked a couple of weeks ago. 
um, to tackle this question. Um, and also it's come up a few times in social media and even in conversations uh, recently with people, which is Christian love. And how do we determine what Christian love is? Of course, we're in this clown world that we live in now with mandates and mass mandates and stay-at-home orders and um, and now even uh, vaccine mandates and all this craziness. And the Christian position that we're coming across quite often, which uh, which we find crazy, is that Christians consider it to be loving to get vaccinated and to wear the mask and to do all of these things that clearly go against conscience and against God's law. And how did we get there? Did, do you find this coming up quite often? You want to share your experience with that? Yes, absolutely. Even early on, uh, I just had refused to wear the mask and uh, partly because I'm already ahead of the game in terms of just the research I've done, especially for my book, Health for All of Life, just understanding the body, understanding the terrain, terrain theory and germ theory and some of those dynamics. So for me, I, I felt like I was already sort of in that vein of thought anyway. And I continue, of course, to, to read and, and digest what I can from uh, men who are putting out great, great books, great, uh, the truth about contagion, and uh, there are other other solid resources out there. And so even early on, for me, I never, uh, I didn't want my kids wearing masks, I wasn't going to wear a mask, and my wife didn't wear a mask. And uh, in fact, the one time where we were forced to, we were inside Hershey Park <laughs> and uh, a theme park, the, the chocolate capital of the world, mm -hmm. and we had bandanas on and they kept telling us to pull them up because we were not being very uh, governable at that point. <laughs> and, and of course, you know, I've tried to get into conversations with people as we go and trying to talk to them and reason with them and, and explain to them you know, why I'm not doing what I'm doing, rather than just assume I'm trying to be a rebel, like, well, maybe there's a reason I'm not, maybe there's a reason I'm choosing not to participate in this uh, social charade. Uh, and rarely people would engage, uh, especially employees at work, I, I am always sympathetic toward them, you know, uh, I, I know you're trying to do your job, and you have to wear it. And so there are those types of elements in there. So I'm always certainly kind about it. I'm not just a rage monster in the grocery store telling people off. Um, but uh, so even like early on when all of those things were happening, um, I, I was criticized for that. Certainly, you're not being very loving. You're not yeah. loving people by, yeah, you know, by not adopting. Essentially, what they're saying is you're not loving people by not adopting the lie that you're a carrier of something, regardless if you have symptoms or not. <laughs> right. And so, yeah, it, it's been something for two years now that I felt like I've been headlong in uh, for various reasons, of course. Um, we were, my activity in terms of the health freedom movement um, more started around 2018. And so I had been writing vaccine exemption letters for people for several years already, uh, just because they didn't want the flu shot. You know, they didn't, they didn't want the MMR vaccine. They didn't want, you know, all these different vaccines that are out there on the schedule for people. Um, so it's, it's kind of funny, not funny in a maybe more ironic, I should say, that all of this COVID insanity has gone on and it continues to go on with no end in sight. 
And, and here we are, I'm sort of saying the same things I did even three years ago. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's what, that's what kind of makes it interesting for me is yeah. being already involved in it, speaking at medical freedom rallies and so on, and just participating in that, um, that segment of society. Uh, you know, we've kind of reaped what we've sown uh, generally as a state, as a nation, as a, as a world. Mm. Yeah, and I think when it comes to, to masks, uh, masks and Christians, especially at the beginning when, you know, COVID was getting going and, and all that stuff, is that it probably wasn't quite so cut and dry when it came to masks. You know, you, we, we heard, um, you know, Christians citing John, um, Martin Luther and things during the plague and his mask wearing, not gathering and, and all of these different things, which of course, everybody was dying in Europe at the time, quite obviously, but, uh, but you know, the, it wasn't quite so cut and dry at, at that, uh, at the beginning, but as this has progressed, like kind of my working thesis here of the way that we've moved is that mask use was normalized. And I don't want to make this about masks. I don't even want to make this about, about uh, vaccine mandates, but it was masks were normalized and then mask use was enforced in many places to stop the spread from one person to another, um, regardless of whether you understand that or not, or believe it or not. And then vaccines were introduced back at the beginning of this year in 2021, and then vaccines were mandated in order to stop the spread from one person to another. So we've kind of progressed down this, this path of mandating. Now, it wasn't quite so cut and dry at the beginning. I don't think when it comes to Christianity and whether you should wear a mask or not, but now when it comes to um, receiving a vaccination in order to go to work or go to church or to do all these things, why, why do we still have Christians that still think that it's okay to, um, that the mandates are okay? Like that it's loving to, to receive a, uh, a, a vaccine in order to participate in society or to love your neighbor. What, where do we, where does that idea come from in Christianity, in modern evangelicalism? Well, I think, I think there are two things at play, and this is something I've been hounding on for what seems like years, is it, we've reaped the perfect storm of pietism and statism uh, together. And pietism, of course, uh, relegating ourselves to the spiritual, that upper story, that's uh, Schaefer's analogy, uh, the upper story is is uh, is grace. It's the spiritual, and it's really rehashed Platonic dualism. But at the bottom story, you have the world, the material world, and so you sort of have to take a take a leap of faith to get up to the upstairs of this two story house where you get to, uh, you know, sing kumbaya and spend time with our Lord. Mm. And when you have a Pietism that emphasizes the spiritual over against the material that's the dualistic part, you, you then find yourself having to seek for answers um, out there in the world. Mm. And that's essentially why statism has been allowed to become the great idol of our time. Mm. Um, the thing that we, we should have all witnessed and seen, or at least, you know, processed. <laughs> it's sort of the communists on campus, you know, well, it'll, it'll work when we do it. <laughs> mm. um, no, we've, we've been down this road of collectivism and we've been down this road several times and it never works and it never will work and it can't work uh, because we reject the image of God and man and we reject God's government over us, uh, right. the, the Lordship of Christ. And so um, I, I think that that's why 
you know, I think about this a lot. Why, how did we get here? You know, how did we get here? What did we do? And, you know, in a lot of, in a lot of ways, we spent the 1960s and 70s and even into the 80s uh, just worrying about um, our youth group pizza parties and the gymnasiums that we need to build in order to keep them happy. Mm. And, and we, we lost sight of doctrine. We lost sight of the biblical worldview. We lost sight of, of, of how to think critically and how to take Christianity into places like science and medicine and so on. And it's no secret, uh, this is something I lecture on frequently uh, with regard to Darwinian evolution. Um, we, we all reject Darwinian evolution as, as, as it pertains to our origins, um, but we don't reject the presuppositions that it brings to the, to the issue of health and, and medicine. Right. And that's just utterly disturbing. <laughs> um, why would we not take it further and reject it even further? And, and of course, most people don't realize that I think what's driving this COVID uh, insanity is the logical outworking of Darwinian evolution, uh, specifically the germ theory of disease. Mm. And, and, and because Christians don't know that or aren't participating in that dialogue or seeing you know, what those presuppositions are and how it plays out and so on, even back in 1910 with the Flexner Report. And, mm. and that was really the day everything changed in Western medicine, especially here in America and, and even in Canada. Um, you know, if we don't participate in that, we're going to then look for a standard that's out there in the world. And then you that's why you have pastors who are saying, like one of the pastors down in Charlottesville, not far from us, saying, yeah, it's loving to get the, get the vaccine. You know, you're not doing it for you. I've, Charles Barkley said that on TV one time. I couldn't believe it. You're not doing it for you. You're doing it for others, which is totally illogical. It's not even how yeah. vaccine theory works. <laughs> so it's sort of all these things, you know, come, come crushing together, rushing together and crashing down upon us. And, and I think that's why Christians are mostly confused about it because we have said, you know, over here is my Christianity. It's, it's my Sunday. It's my personal quiet time with Jesus. We all should have personal quiet time with Jesus. I think that's a great thing. Personal corporate worship, all of those elements, but, but it's all of life. And that's of course, what Christian reconstruction seeks to teach is, right. is a faith for all of life. Yeah. Feel free to jump in at any point. If you have anything you want to say. Yeah. Um, yeah. This went a little bit different. And I was thinking, but I, I know at the beginning, like with the masks, then a lot of people were saying, even if you're not sick, you can still spread the virus. Hmm. And I think that, that confused a lot of people, you know, that that's where you get that idea. Okay. If we, if I get, if I wear the mask and I get vaccinated, I will protect other people hmm. because even though I'm not sick, I can still, I've heard that from so many people that yeah. you could not be sick, but you'll still spread the virus. So you should, or not showing signs of symptoms. Yeah, anything like that. Yeah. And, and yeah. I don't know if that can be refuted or because I think that confuses a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, well, let me go ahead and try and refute that. Well, in the language there, you know, even, even so everything changed, right? We haven't done the mask thing, uh, really. Asian countries have done them, but for other mm. reasons. <laughs> uh, pollution in China, for example. Right. But uh, and we've used masks in, in, in operating rooms so that spittle and other things can be kept out of the, out of the body when open for surgery and, uh, and so on. But as far as like general populace, no, we didn't, you know, a decade ago have a flu outbreak and then everybody wore a mask. So even that was new. But kind of what Pete was saying is this issue, the language was changed too. 
suddenly it became you're asymptomatic. Now, yeah. I'm old enough to know, and I'm not that old, but I'm old enough to remember when we used to just call that a healthy person, <laughs> right? Yeah. Because it, it's sort of like the engine on your dashboard. Um, none of my lights are on, so I, everything's okay. Well, but you don't know. There could be something really deep down there that's wrong. Even though you're asymptomatic right now, you need to take measures to make sure that your car, well, well, duh, I get an oil change, but you know, I liken that to making sure you have your vitamins and minerals, but yeah, <laughs> it's not, we've kind of created this category where everyone's a carrier, everyone's suspect. And, and, and what that did was give fear a foothold in people's lives. Mm. And, and thus it drove a wedge into society. And suddenly you can't go to grandma's house for Christmas. And, uh, and then well, we have Lord Fauci saying that he is science. So, you know, everything well, shifted. That's the point. What, what happens is, how can you live normally anymore? Yeah. You know, if you're always in fear of um, infecting somebody with something, you know, that it makes no sense. And, and that's too bad that that got in and, and mixed a lot of people up because yeah. that's why I think it's carrying on so long, even among Christians, you know, that you're doing it to save other people, even though, it's in a sense ridiculous, you know, just like they yeah. like say with the engine. I mean, if you're always in fear driving your car, that your engine light might come on. Then you it's might never like, drive it. Yeah, you know, yeah. It, 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 it destroys your life. Well, you get a Tesla and then the engine never comes on. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. That's what we got to do. We, we all have to drive Teslas now. Yeah. Well, yeah. We're, all, we're also in the, the walking dead generation too. So everybody loves this apocalyptic scenario. Right. And now it's come close to home and <laughs> suddenly people, are, you know, many people are frustrated with it, even if they kind of went along with it at the beginning, a lot of people are waking up now. Yeah. And, and slowly. And when it comes to Christian love and Christian virtue, I'm, I'm starting to really realize that my response to all of this is that because I'm doing what actually God's law and God's standard calls us to do or trying my best to do that, that's actually more loving than follow, following along in what the world, the secular humanist world has actually told us is loving, you know, because you can see that you can see the creep or the bleed over of, of secularism into Christianity and how it uh, uh, contaminates it in many ways, very clearly in the last two years, ever since the beginning of COVID. But it's not really about COVID and lockdowns. It's, it's about the slow creep, and not so slow anymore, of statism, secular humanism, as a fundamental religion to our society, which has been creeping in for at least 150 to 175 years, back into the 1800s. Um, so maybe you could speak to that. Maybe you could speak to how we've abandoned um, biblical law, right? And now we've adopted secular law. And well, of course, this, the secular um, lie was always, oh, we just want to remove God from everything. Don't worry about religion and God. We're just going to have neutrality, right? Which is the, which is the, the lie of secular humanism at the beginning. But then, of course, there is no neutrality. There's always a law, and there's always a religion, and there's always a God. What do you think about that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Amen. I, I think you're, what you're saying is accurate. Um, I just go back to American history, for example. I'm not one to try and, 
I'm not one to try and defend, overly defend the founding fathers of our nation uh, who were ostensible Christians and you know, most of which were deists. Uh, there was clearly an influence of Christian, Christianity there, but when you develop even a, a Lockean version of government and this social contract idea where I didn't sign the Declaration of Independence and I didn't sign uh, you know, the Bill of Rights and, and those types of things, because we, we acknowledge as Christians that government you know, government in the civil realm presupposes individual self-government. So at the very base of everything is I have certain rights that are inalienable that are given to me by God. And I don't really know that I really want to defend much of, of American history in that regard, uh, because I do believe that even the system of government that we have, though it has in some sense advanced the cause of liberty, uh, it has also been an uncontrollable leviathan. Um, I'm sympathetic to Lysander Spooner, who said that either the Constitution of America gave us this tyranny, or it was powerless to prevent it. Mm. And we already know, uh, some of the fathers even said, hey, look, you, it requires a moral people to even uphold these principles. But so at the end of the day, for me, like, I don't, I, at the, at, I suppose at the very least, we failed to acknowledge the Lordship of Christ as him being king. And now we have the God of Demos, the, you know, democracy and uh, the tyranny of the majority. If the majority want homosexual marriage, then by golly, that's what we're going to have. And mm-hmm. uh, or at least as the media portrays it, uh, it seems like everyone's uh, homosexual. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just just picking one sin out of a million. Uh, so I'm not I, you know, I don't want to defend American history in that regard. Uh, but I do think that we allowed humanism, sort of a uh, Gary North's position of we, there was a rat, that, there was a rat in Philadelphia. Um, we certainly saw a shift in humanism. And because Christians did not insist on the law of God, like, like you were saying, there was no neutrality. Uh, we, we essentially gave the keys over to the secular humanists who, uh, as Chesterton said, if we're not going to be governed by 10 commandments, we'll have ten, tens of thousands of man's commandments. Mm-hmm. And and that's inevitably where we're at now, because there's no governing principle that's going to put a stop to these things. Uh, you know, case in point being Australia, they're on the front line of that. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would say that one of the, the books that you authored um, that was really helpful to me was actually your book called The Politics of Humanism, which I thought was an absolutely fantastic book. And I really learned a lot, especially uh, bringing history into, um, you know, how uh, America specifically had uh, crept towards humanism over the years. But the humanism was always there at the at the root, but it, it might not necessarily be uh, obvious, right? Especially when right. Um, people are giving lip service to Christianity. And when you think about things like the Constitution, the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms, um, and then, you know, things like um, all deriving essentially from British common law is that, like you said in, in your last statement there, is that essentially these principles only work if the nation is Christian. You know, you don't have to have every single person, every individual being a born again Christian, but you do need to have a Christian nation. You do need to have a Christian state, as it were, where the fundamental uh, laws are based and comport with God's law. Mm-hmm. And that any time that it doesn't comport with God's law, then you have a different system of, you know, we have a different law involved. Well, then um, it's very difficult to follow that. And it becomes 
uh, a power religion almost. Um, you know, so, I mean, we're seeing that happen all across the Western world is that we've abandoned these Christian principles as a basis for how we, you know, see the world and view our countries and our nations. And of course, like we're even fighting now with trying to, this, this, this is very, this really kind of crosses over with what other conversations we've been having, Christians that think that, that we're not supposed to Christianize the world. Like we're not supposed to Christianize the nations, but, it, it, but like even Stephen C. Perks, um, he's got a new book out called Disciple the Nations. It's, it's basically says we're to disciple nations, which means we teach the nations to obey. We're to foundationally place them on God's law in society. And then as a society, then we can honor God, you know? So this is the direction that we've gone. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, kind of back to what you were saying with the, the Canadian charter and then the U S constitution, uh, we also need men with chests who are going to defend it. And th that's our big problem here is we, we even in Virginia just elected a Republican uh, governor and Lieutenant governor and everybody's hooting and hollering, but he's practically as leftist, you know, as, as many of them come. And, and, and I was frustrated and I tried to explain to PI, you know, we'd run into people at the County fair and, are you going to vote Republican? I was like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm frustrated with you guys. And oh, why is that? Well, because you keep ceding ground and you're cowards. You know, I try to say yeah. it as kindly as I can. Um, so we need people to defend it. Uh, but sort of, I guess, kind of what you were saying also is historically the shift um, has been sort of, a, I guess, a slow degradation. It was a slow thing. COVID didn't just happen and all of that just dropped out of the sky. It's been a kind of a, you know, a concoction for, of all of these different things that have happened. And, uh, and I think that's what's incredibly sad. Um, but you made a point back up for a second. What, what was the end of your question there? Because there was another thought I had. I had too many come at me at once. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't know. I was just thinking about the uh, discipling nations. Oh, yes, 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 yes. That was it. That was it. And with Stephen Perks's new uh, little book, which you narrated, so make sure people uh, can find that on Reconstructionist Radio. Yeah. Uh, I think that that's, that's a difficulty, too, because not only do you have sort of a humanistic flair in the government, but you also have that pietistic apathy in the church yeah. that, that generally does think, well, the Great Commission is, I'll just snatch a few people here and there, and we'll call it good. Like, that's you know, that's, that's why we do our Easter egg helicopter drops, because we want to be, we want to reach people. And, you know, you're not really reaching them with anything. You're certainly not reaching them with a biblical worldview that's going to equip them to then go and disciple the, the nation. Um, I think that's, that's also kind of another, I don't know how you want to say it. it's just one other layer to this whole discussion, especially on the COVID and loving your neighbor and you're not discipling them into any love that's backed by God's law. It's just right. love is squishy and, um, yeah. you know, whatever the people want it to be. Yeah. The church is kind of being hamstrung by its eschatology, in my opinion, um, in our opinion, but we, yeah. we have a defeatist or escapist or <clears throat> some kind of weird two kingdom view for the majority in our churches. And it really doesn't influence culture. It doesn't, you know, you have these Christians that basically say we're to make 
individual disciples from out of the nation. So they come out of the evil nation and they come into God's spiritual kingdom and that they'll be okay one day when Jesus comes back. Cause he's coming back at any minute, right? Like, of course, like we're, we're doing eisegesis, like the eisegetes are out there in force right now yeah. when it comes to COVID and, you know, you've got people online that are supposedly Christian quote unquote, and they're going on about the ends of days and all kinds of things. Like we're so, we're so um lost and we've we've let go of it for maybe even almost 200 years here so how can we turn this around in a shorter amount of time like i think that obviously with the holy spirit's power right that we can backtrack and turn it around a lot faster because god is with the situation and right so like he's graciously allowed this to creep slowly Mm -hmm. we didn't deserve to have the good world that we've been living in, right? You know, and my question with all this is, why are so many pastors reluctant <laughs> to like engage culture, like, or to admit that we have to disciple all nations? Like, why do they always argue against that? Like, what what is holding them back? I don't understand that. Like, yeah, like, yeah. I, if I, we knew that, then you yeah. could do some changing, right? But yeah. Why do they refuse to? Uh, yeah, like pietism. Why are they pietists? Yeah, they don't understand the Bible. <laughs> I mean, but is it is it cowardice? Is it misunderstanding? I think there's some of that. There's some of that certainly. I mean, here locally, we have a pastors thing. I haven't been in quite a while. It just doesn't work for my schedule sometimes. But I get the emails and instead of dealing with the most pressing pressing issue in front of us that everyone's talking about, that everyone sees, they're busy prepping for their next blessing of the pets service. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and I just think, wow, like, is that really where yeah. we are? Um, man, I, I just, it's indicative of it. So there is a judicial stupor. Certainly God judges nations and he's judging our nation. And part of that is, 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 uh, taking a, taking away the illumination that we have and right. sort of the common grace um, things you know things like that and well that's what so it is cowardice. yeah it is it is pietism it is I think I, here's my opinion uh, being bivocational I can go ahead and say this but I think full-time pastors uh, spend way too much time doing nonsense yeah and well and, and that brings us to the like loving your fellow Christian in the church by wearing a mask. It seems they're really concentrating on their small group. Mm-hmm. You know, they yeah. want to keep their church together. And then, then, then I can understand why you would really press that. You know, let's all be loving. Let's all get along. Yeah. And it's part of the, uh, my friend Jordan wrote a great article on the church is not a, a mini temple. Mm. And yeah. the, the local church is not a mini temple. So we, we, we rehearse the burnt offering and the, and the showbread and the, and the, and the, candle stand and we sort of have this holy of holies and this mindset that the only thing our job is to do is is just get our worship right well i mean we gather on sunday evenings and we have our liturgy and and we pray and sing and and i preach and and we have a fellowship meal afterwards where we are just constantly talking about the issues of the day and um how can we be better father better better fathers and mothers how can we you know homeschool our kids and teach them what they need to know and and, and that's like the barracks meeting. But when you don't view it as a barracks meeting for war the next week, and instead you view mm-hmm. it as your spiritual checkoff and check it off your list, 
you know, then no wonder you're not fighting because you don't even think you're a soldier and you don't even think you're in a battle anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And so that you're the only solution then probably is more judgments. Yeah. God. Yeah. I, that, I fear we, we've not reached the bottom of the barrel yet. Yeah. That you get to the point where there's no, there's no way out in a sense. Right. There was a, there was a really great um, meme that I, uh, that I saw today and that I had to steal it. It was off of a memer on Twitter because the, the Twitter Bitcoin guys are the most based. It's almost like salvation will come to the Bitcoin community first. I honestly think that um, because even though some of them don't say that they're Christians, many of them do and that they understand what's right and wrong more than most Christians do. It's crazy. It's crazy. But there was one he's called um, uh, he's he's called retard scale, um, but he's I don't know whether he is a retard or not, but he comes across in the Twitter spaces at, that he is. But he's a memer and he is. Um, he had this really uh, this really good one today, which uh, maybe we'll share it up on the on the screen. But it says, okay. um, "Hey friend, I know the world is scary right now, but it's going to get way worse." And I think he's right. I think he's right. So this guy, he's a Christian, and you know, he he shares the gospel online when we we're chatting in mm -hmm. the Bitcoin rooms and things like that. But I think he gets it. I think he understands mm -hmm. that um, we've got judgment coming our way and it's already here and uh and when you don't see the church changing right when you when mm -hmm. you can see the church not changing this was my uh i had a, a conversation with my wife last night she was probably just like oh no here we go again but <laughs> said you know i haven't been home to see my family for a few years now and i can't see any time in the future where i'm going to be able to go and do that because of what's going on in the world and i also can't see the church changing so yeah I feel yeah. like we're in this for a long haul. And I feel like that, first of all, the church has to repent, right? Church leaders have to actually get with the Bible. Yeah. Um, we, start, we have to start actively working outside of the four walls of our church buildings and start to trying to transform culture. This is what we're trying to get happening in our city. And it's just not really happening right now. Yeah. Um, but until the Christian church actually does get outside of itself, we're probably in this for a long haul. Yeah. Well, well, that's what, what we're saying. Like there, there has like COVID is came as a judgment, I would say. I mean, it sure disturbed the churches. And then like you're saying, they're just going back to their little things, pizza parties or whatever again. Yeah. And they're just ignoring what happened and what is happening. And they're just trying to return to normal. Then yeah if they're not changing and they're not repenting, then of course we can only expect more judgment until there is repentance and yeah, return yeah. To, the, to the Bible, to God. Yeah. Christ is not going to be your only hope until he's your only hope. Right. And, mm -hmm. and if that's not the case, then yeah, it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse until we have at least some indication that people are willing to be reformed uh, by the word of God. And that's kind of what you were saying earlier, Scott, about, um, what, what do you think kind of needs to happen? Well, I, I love how Francis Schaeffer put it. He said, we need reformation and revival, but the reformation has to be in accordance to the, to the word of God. So we're recapturing the authority of the scriptures. Right. Uh, basically, I, I, my, I want everybody in our county to become Christian reconstructionists. Yep. 
because that's true Christianity in, in my view. So I need to teach them, and we do as our church needs to teach them a Christian view of all these things, whether it's money like Bitcoin or, or, uh, or self-government principles or education, um, taxation, all of these things. That's, you know, that's what we talk about all the time. Yeah. How can we teach them? But then Schaefer also says with regard to revival, uh, we simply have to go back to a true Holy Spirit uh, experience. Uh, trusting in the Holy Spirit's work in us right. and convicting mm-hmm. us of sins, driving us towards repentance, driving us back to the Word of God. The Holy Spirit, He will lead us and He will illuminate uh, what it is we need to be doing, but we have to be able to trust in Him. And uh, I, it just seems to me that most people, most Christians, I should say, uh, don't really have a functional relationship with the Holy Spirit because yeah. He's He is the forgotten God, which is a, a great title <laughs> that was written yeah. by uh, uh, Chan. Chan. yeah, Chan. Mm. So, and, and until we get those things in place, it's no wonder that we're going to, you know, muddy things up and right. muddle around with the world's definition of love. Yeah. yeah. And I think that we, we have to compare where we're at culturally to where we were during the Christianization of the Roman empire and that the Christian, the, the, the Roman Empire was Christianized and became functionally Christian over a couple of hundred years, 300 years, because of the fact that Christians understood that they were in Christ's kingdom now, and that all of his enemies had been defeated, and that the, the last judgment had come upon these, these enemies, right? And that they had an optimistic outlook for the future, that the ends of the earth would know that Christ is king and that all of the nations then would, of course, then flow up to the mountain of the Lord. That's Isaiah 2. But we don't have that anymore. So there, there was a we were going to start off the, the podcast with this short verse. And it says this in Second Thessalonians 2, verse 11. And for this cause, God shall send them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Now, we believe, I think all of us here believe that that was specifically written to the um to the apostate Jewish nation at the time, mm-hmm. right? That God was going to blind their eyes so that they would not be able to um, essentially walk away, uh, accept salvation and walk away from the judgment that was coming, right? And, and we saw that uh, downhill spiral until 70 AD where um, the, the Christians escaped and then the nation of Israel, as it was in the covenantal um, nation, was wiped out and it's never been since. But does that, do these, even though we, you know, as post-millennialists, we always look back and we say, okay, well, that all happened. But do these judgments in smaller ways still come through in history today? Like, are are we under a strong delusion right now when it comes to our culture, when it comes to the people in our church? They think that loving equals wearing a mask, getting a vaccine, not talking bad on social media about the government, things like this. Right. Is, is, is that a strong yeah. delusion that God has brought? And, and if so, why? Why would he do that? Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, even despite the fact that that was primarily, you know, the man of lawlessness and those probably a religious leader, there are various theories. Um, I recommend uh, Gary DeMar's book, Last Day's Madness on that. Um, so all of that, it was clearly somebody that they themselves would have would have known and experienced. Um, but the reason that that principle applies is because it's a covenantal principle, and it's right. something that transcends any one human experience in space and time. You go back to uh, Deuteronomy 2, 
uh, I have a few verses pulled up here because I was thinking about this. Moreover, the hand of Yahweh was against them to bring them into confusion from within the camp until they all came to an end. Mm. Uh, Deuteronomy 7.23, but Yahweh your God will give them over before you and throw them into great confusion until they are destroyed. And the, one of the key texts in, in understanding covenant theology, and specifically the, the ramifications of covenant theology, is Deuteronomy 28. Uh, the, the first 14 verses are blessings, and the whole rest of the chapter are curses. And Deuteronomy 28, 20 says that Yahweh will send upon you the curse, confusion, and rebuke in all that you send forth your hand to do until you are destroyed and until you perish quickly on account of your evil deeds because you have forsaken me. And so those principles uh, apply because they are principles that are attached to the covenant of God. And God's covenant transcends any one locale, any one particular point in, in time. Uh, it, it's just a part of how God deals with nations and how he handles people groups and, and individuals as well. And so I do believe we are under a, under a judicial stupor, a, ju a judicial uh, sentencing of confusion and disruption uh, you probably saw today the news, uh, they're talking about inflation, at least here in the U.S., has reached a 40-year high. It's almost 7%. Um, By Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, stuff's getting more expensive, or actually the buying power is getting too weak. Um, uh, you know, so, but that's, like, that. those are all sanctions. God tells us. You've seen this before are. somewhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he, he, he saw it in the first century when Jesus, like Jeremiah, wept over Jerusalem and, yeah. and, and, you know, Jeremiah was, ended up going to Egypt. He didn't want to go to Egypt, but they were, they were trusting in Egypt. They wanted uh, Egypt to rescue them. And that's the same problem that we've always had. And that's kind of where we're at too. We've become Egypt. Well, you uh, see even people with, um, they're believing that it's going to get bad and it's, but Jesus is going to come. <laughs> and you, you see that same thing with, with the fall of Jerusalem, right? Like the Romans were already in the city and the Jews were still expecting the Messiah to come deliver them right up to the last moment. And you kind of see that same idea. Now you, you, we're going to be raptured up. It's going to get bad, but we'll be okay. You know, there's still, yeah. and you're out of the fight then in a sense, right? You're just going to sit back and wait until you get rescued. Yeah. But it, it is a delusion. And it's paralyzing. It's paralyzing yeah. to any momentum. There's really, it's amazing too, because I remember, man, even like 30 years ago, 20 years ago, I grew up in a dispensational church. Uh, since then, you know, grown in my understanding of, of scripture and have walked away from that, um, what I believe is a, a rather erroneous view of scripture. Hmm. And I remember people saying, you know, Jesus is coming any minute. So we need to be out preaching the gospel. We need to be out hitting the streets. Uh, we have to get out there and tell people about Jesus. And I, and I wonder, I don't see anybody on the streets, right? You know, I, are we, you know, we hit the abortion clinic here and there to go and minister and no one else is out there. I certainly know rapture enthusiasts are out there saying the end is near. So it's, it's like, they don't even believe their own theology. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting, hey, because you can say, hey, you know, as much as we uh, rail on dispensationalism, if you go back 20, 30 years, at least they were doing something. Um, you know, nowadays it's hyper spiritual, pietistic. Um, everything is mystical within yeah. the Christian. You know, we're praying that God would transform the world. Uh, absolutely. We, sh we need to pray that prayer. But then then you, you step out and then you go do it. Right. Because that's what we're called to do. Going back to 
your statement on the covenant, um, uh, you, you know, talking about the covenant blessing and cursings, of course, what the modern Christian, maybe even the modern pastor, because I've heard, you know, modern evangelical pastors say this, is that, yeah, but we're not, th that's the old covenant. We're <laughs> in the new covenant now. Yeah. And then, then they have a, a, a difficult time then defining what that means. What do you think about that? Yeah. Well, I think they're wrong, <laughs> of course. I mean, so what would you say to a pastor who says, yeah. well, it's not about law, it's about grace? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jesus, of course, says he, he uh, came not to abolish the law and the prophets, but to fulfill them. And, and I, I actually take more of James Jordan's view on that, um, that, that the, the heavens and earth were passing away and that part of the, the shifting of the law happened at the burial, death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. So the law went in with him, but certain things didn't come back out. Um, right. But it's, so I would start there. And also, of course, you know, Paul says in Romans 13, twice there, that love is the fulfillment of the law of God. Um, Jesus quotes Leviticus, and he uses the Old Testament quite frequently to illustrate what he's doing in his own ministry. So this idea that you can just discard the Old Testament and, and find that it's not even a, close to applicable to us today. Well, if, if you don't think the Old Testament is applicable, then you don't think the New Testament is either, because the right. New Testament are basically the study notes <laughs> for the Old Testament. Absolutely. You know, the, Jesus and the apostles, they, there was no New Testament church. They didn't have, you know, they didn't have the New Testament written down. They had God's law. They had history. They had the prophets. And, uh, and every, all of the preaching <laughs> would happen from those scriptures. Right. Right. Yeah, and Paul, yeah. Paul told, I was going to say, Paul told Timothy to bring the parchments to him. And, and no doubt we're talking scrolls of Isaiah and the Psalms and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, the, the Torah was, was to be brought to him. And that, that was the scriptures. And, and, and Peter says that some twist the scriptures and like they do Paul. And so there's, you know, authoritative writings and the apostles, of course, too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that uh, it just goes to show that we've, we've got so much work to do, right? We've got um, uh, so much work to do. Even what I, I think the focus is obviously on the church. Now, the, the way that we're attempting to do this is by trying to, trying to do uh what we think is the correct theological you know direction which to go which is to it, we're trying to enact out the way that we're supposed to live as christians to bring about justice we love to point to isaiah um sorry psalm 82 verse 3 which says do justice to the weak and the oppressed yeah. right and and to do righteousness for these people, right? So we we spend our time in the homeless and drug addicted community because it is our city's biggest problem outwardly, right? Um, it's the most obvious problem and it's the problem that's not being dealt with um, by by the church and by, um, because I don't know why the church doesn't in, engage. I honestly don't know. So what we're trying to do is show what we're doing, you know, uh, record stuff like this, talk about it, and then record what we do, put it out on the internet, and then share it, and then ask people to come along and engage with us. But we don't seem to really have a lot of people that really engage and come along with us. So we're not, we're not quite sure what to do there. Yeah, yeah. Well, it shows, like, even with the, with the issue with the masks, yeah. you know, and I think in the, in the Warrington Declaration, it says, too, that it's, it could be a lie. Some people could see them wearing masks with a lie. And, and it is hypocritical, you know? You're so concerned about loving your neighbor by wearing a mask, but you're not concerned 
about going out on the streets or helping a homeless person right. or anything like that you know it's it's a just a selfish type so of you thing. adopt the premier of alberta's mandate as your law and follow right. that and that's loving yeah but yet you don't try to uh end homelessness in your city which is actually under god's law yeah. what we're called to do as christians right that's god's law that's god's standard our job is to footstool homelessness our job is to footstool mm. drug addiction to footstool um all of these different issues that we have under the feet of Jesus, but we're not doing that. We're just getting vaxxed and putting masks on and yes. then browbeating other people that aren't. And we're not, even if we, even if we recognize that mass mandates and vaccine mandates are, um, are ridiculous, we're not even standing up against them. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Which just goes to show me how far we've got to go. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that just, I mean, I just believe that, all Christian churches are self-serving. I don't know, maybe somebody can prove me wrong, but the evidence shows, just like you said, there's nobody going out in the streets and we've said it many times. Mm. Sometimes mm -hmm. we're out there all by ourselves. There's just yeah. in, in a, you know, a city of a hundred thousand in Lethbridge mm -hmm. with probably what, 50, 60 churches and then outlying area churches. There is nobody. So yeah. Yeah. Prove me wrong that churches aren't self-serving. You know? Right. Yeah. I, I mean, modern day Christianity is, is defiled. Mm. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's defiled. And we're in that moment where we have to be John the Baptist. So not only are we, you know, calling even the church to repent, but we got to go up and tell Herod that it's not lawful for him to have his brother's wife. Yeah. And so we have sort of this double responsibility that is very, very difficult to navigate, especially when you feel like you're Elijah. And you need to just go cry it out because you're the only one left, even though we know that there are 7,000 who haven't, but, you know, yeah. bowed the knee, um, they're there, but, you know, God, God demands faithfulness. And I think that's where we have to be able to educate others and bring them along and, and show them that there is another way because the defiled Christianity of today isn't going to work. Right. And I'm, I'm not surprised that the church responded the way it did to COVID because I've watched them for many years respond poorly to the abortion Holocaust. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not, it's not, I mean, that was the, like one of the most obvious things that's there. The most, I mean, God hates it. Mm. He hates the hands that shed innocent blood. The Bible says he hates it. So, you know, if we are lethargic about that, I mean, that, yeah, right. you know, COVID's, COVID's nothing, they, you know, giving kids myocarditis with their experimental mRNA, mRNA vaccine, <laughs> you know, oh, right. whoop de do, you know, who cares? Just get the shot. Cause that's love. Yeah, you know that it's just it's it's no wonder that that's where we're at because it is it's completely defiled yeah 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 the blood's on the land right like the blood's been on the land for a long time and especially with the with that uh you know the culture of death um we're the same in canada and we euthanize people here too who are older and yeah, yeah. um yeah so that's kind of where we're at yeah um, so we've got a lot of work to do and i think but, it gets back to your point about the the holy spirit again Right. I mean, we see that sometimes when we go out, it's just so useless. Mm. Right. Like you, you can't even mentally convince somebody, you know, to believe the Bible, the gospel. Mm. And then you see, you know, we can't do it. It has yeah. to be through the power of God, through the, mm -hmm. through the spirit yeah. of God to do any of this change, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Like, I said this in a recent sermon, how, how, how do you convince a blind man who thinks he can see that he's blind? Yeah. 
It's very, very hard. It's impossible. And I, I do want to also make a distinction also between um, Christian churches, what we call Christian churches and individual Christians, because there are mm. some fantastic individual Christians and families out there and, and groups of people who are working very hard, um, especially in like the ministry that we're involved with in, in town, which is called the, the Lethbridge Soup Kitchen, which is a Christian ministry um, uh, to feed the homeless three meals a day every day. And there's plenty of Christians that engage. Yeah. Right. And, um, but what, but whenever the, as inevitably happens, the soup kitchen it just, it will not receive uh, government funding, uh, rightly. Um, but inevitably they get short on funds. And, uh, and when the call goes out to specific churches, right, pastors yeah. or elder groups, there's never a response. There's never a response at all. So I, I'm really trying to make a distinction between Christians and Christian leadership or pastors or churches as the, the corporate entity, mm -hmm. because there's a lot of hirelings in the pulpit or in leadership that actually that call comes to their office. And this is what we need in order to do justice in our city and to do righteousness in our city. And then it stops there. It doesn't even make it down through into the, the congregation even to have a discussion maybe you're baptistic and you you know yeah. you vote on everything but it doesn't that that doesn't even make it down through right and if it's not making it into your uh your missionary work right like we send missionaries off all around the world but what about our yeah <laughs> right we need a, yeah. we need the apostles to come here right and that yeah. gets to the point and stephen perks writes about that too. reformation uh never happens there always has to be a splitting off right because you're there's many christians that want to do this type of work and help out but they can't do it under their church leadership mm, and then yeah. the hard thing for them is to realize i have to split off of this yeah and do it properly you know yeah. like and but that's really difficult for somebody to yeah to leave their church and join a bunch of crazies like us you know that's yeah come and join us we're crazy <laughs> yeah we love yeah. god's law and we're we're not trying to be um yeah. we're not trying to like we want you as a christian to be able to be self-governing right and we want you to be able to govern your own life god's given you a stand in, in which to follow he saved you he's put his law into your heart and he's empowered you to follow it through the holy spirit and dwelling inside of you you don't need a pastor to tell you what to do you don't need that no but that right? could come like the issue of uh immature christians absolutely like are, are the and maybe that's the reason why these pastors aren't um they don't want to get into this type of thing like theonomy and right. reconstruction because you know you're keeping your congregants as children yeah mm. yeah there's no money to be made in self-government yeah. mature yeah. christians are going to go do yeah. stuff it's right yeah. and yeah. and that's going to affect your own little yeah kingdom building as you're trying to build your little church as a pastor you should be discipling an individual as an apprentice and they should be growing and be getting out there and, and yeah. doing it by themselves right like when i try to teach a welding apprentice if i weld and make the apprentice watch mm -hmm. and never teach them actually how to do it and let them get hands-on well then they're always going to be a watcher yeah and the whole idea with <laughs> Modern Christianity yeah. is church growth. Yeah. Right. You know, our church should be growing. 
but biblically it should be getting smaller as mature Christians are being sent out out of your church, local bodies doing the sending, work. Yeah. Sending your church should be, well, it should be growing, but in a sense, maybe stay in the same yeah. but as Christians mature and they're trained for the work of the ministry. They should be able to go out on their own. I think that's why most pastors, I, I don't know if I want to say most, but it seems like many uh, in many churches or most churches are just as statist as anybody else. Right. Because they're adopting the same paradigm of power top down. Right. Exactly. Um, and, and also you need a sickly society to control. So yeah. if you have a bunch of self-governed Christians who are out, out doing you, mm. you know, it, it, pastors are too insecure for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're too insecure for that. They're, they're too insecure about people in their congregation who might know more than they do, yeah. who, who might be more studied than they are, mm-hmm. who might be applying it in ways that they aren't. And, and that, that, that's actually how it should be. Um, preaching, preaching over, that's always been my aim in preaching is preach over the smartest person in the room. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't set the bar so low that every week you're just giving out, you know, sippy juice boxes and yeah. goldfish crackers. Like uh, wear your mask, you're loving your neighbor. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean that's just to me, just it's childish. Just, it, it is, it's childish behavior mm-hmm. uh, and, and it's nonsense. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I, I love the direction that this conversation went because it really isn't about masks and vaccines. It really isn't about that. It's actually about God's law and society and how we interpret it and, and how each and every person is supposed to be under God and his authority. And, and yes, we congregate together. And yes, there's pastors. And yes, there's, mm-hmm. everybody has their gifts and we work together, but we, nobody domineers over anyone else. And we're supposed to get out there and change the world, right? And right. this is what's going to happen. It's happened in the past. It's not happening now. And it will happen again, right? So, you know, we're just at that point where, you know, hey, maybe we're just the, the prophets and the ones that are speaking out and saying, this is what we need to do. And maybe we get gulag for that. <laughs> yeah. right? Who knows? Yeah. yeah. Seems like it's going to happen more sooner than we realize in Australia. But, you know, you're, I like what you said there, Scott, because you're right. It, it isn't primarily about masks or vaccines. Uh, if you want to talk about masks and vaccines, we can do that. I mean, that's stuff I've researched quite heavily and, and written on. And there's a lot of great information out there that explains why vaccination. I don't mind being called an anti-vaxxer. I've seen so many pastors. Well, I don't want to be viewed as an anti-vaxxer. I don't care. You can call me that because I am. They're toxic. They're dangerous. and messes with your system, especially when they're experimental. And especially when they have emergency uh, authorization from the FDA. Uh, and they're not going to release the reports on that for another 55 years. Oh, that 75 now, 75. Is it? Oh, yeah. well, shoot, I'm behind. I mean, come on. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. another century from now, we'll know. Yeah, when billions of people are dead. Yeah. Um, it's just it's just amazing to me. So, yeah, it's not really about that primarily, but that's what undergirds all of it. I mean, that's why uh, the Warrington Declaration is what it is, mm-hmm. uh, because there are principles that are at play underneath all of this. Yeah. Um, no one should be forced to have any sort of medical procedure ever. Uh, that's just not anyone else's decision to make. Um, we wrote laws about that at the end of the Second World War, and now um, the yes. rulers that be in the EU want to throw it out. Yep. yep. The Nuremberg no more Nuremberg They actually code. literally want to throw wow, that right. out right now. Do we really yeah. need the Nuremberg Code? Well, I guess not. If you don't follow it, I guess you don't really need it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and if nobody stands up and you know takes anyone to court or even just even fights, 
right? Then I guess you don't need it. You might yeah. as well just adopt whichever law the government shoves down your throat yeah. for whatever we reason. Need, we don't need the Canadian Charter. We don't need the U.S. Constitution. I mean, yeah. <laughs> we're not following it anyway. So yeah. well, the majority know. of people don't even want Christians don't even want biblical law. Right. Yeah. Right. So many people yeah. don't even want biblical yeah. law. So we can't expect much better from pagan society. Yeah. 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 We've got a lot of work to do. Mm. So where can people find you? Uh, in Warrington, Virginia. Okay. <laughs> Google it. All right. Google so Maps. How, how, how are Canadians <laughs> supposed to get to you if they want to? Because we're not allowed to leave the, the Gulag, which is Canada. So if figure out a way to get to Mexico. To connect with you, how would they, how would they do that virtually? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, uh, I'm on Facebook and I use it from time to time. I'm, I use Gab more regularly. I have a Telegram mm -hmm. channel uh, mm -hmm. in my website, jasongarwood.com. Free book on there outside the camp if anybody would like to get a copy of the camp, uh, especially dealing with Leviticus passages on, on quarantine and what, mm -hmm. what many Christians say they mean. And then uh, I believe I demonstrate that that's not the case. Um, but, uh, and also our church, crosscrownchurch.com. Uh, you can find some. Yeah, we can put there. the links under the video. Yeah, we'll put too. some links under there. Yeah. Cool. Sure. Sounds right. good, brothers. Well, All right, Jason Garwood. Thank you for spending some time with us this Friday afternoon. Yeah, it was great. And yeah. uh, we'll do it again. This we're 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 just about wrapping up our um our season. Mm -hmm. We're going to do one more episode this season. We're oh, going to wow. interview Stephen C. Perks again next week. Yeah. Good. And then we're going to be wrapped up. And uh, hopefully you have a fantastic Christmas season as well with your family. Thank you. Uh, Pray for us. We're about to put Crossing Crown Radio back on the map. So I'm excited right. about that. I'm part. actually really excited about that. Yeah, it's going to awesome. be fun. A lot yeah. of work's going into it. So yeah, we'll yeah, yeah. Good, good. Yeah, right. we'll, we'll uh, keep our eyes out for that as well. All right, Jason, thank you. Have a great day, week, month, year. <laughs> yes. See you next year. Yes. Talk to you soon again. Okay. Grace and peace to you guys. Right so that was Jason. That was Dr. Jason Garwood. And uh, we really appreciate having him on. Make sure that you go and check out his, uh, his website and we'll put the links down below. And um, yeah, make sure you, you get down there and especially that book, right? Have yourself an eschatological Christmas. It's that time of the year. Yes. So you need to go and, uh, and read that book. Please. And I think you might, there might even be an audio book really soon out of that one as well that you might be able to listen to. So anyway, this Thanks for watching. Yeah, well, I was gonna say this episode is sponsored by uh, oh, right. Bitcoin. Go and buy some Bitcoin, <laughs> bullbitcoin.com, and we'll see you. We've got one more episode we're gonna this do. This year. This right. year, and then we're done with season two. We're gonna do that next week. We'll get that up before Christmas, and then we'll see you in the new Stephen year. Stephen Perks? Yeah, Stephen Perks. Nice. We'll chat with him next week. So good. That'll be good. Thanks right. for watching. Yeah, this has been the Post Mill Podcast with Scott and Pete. Peace.